Armanet understood power was not given. It had to be taken. She made a choice to embrace evil. sound outside it's like it's uh when a rock band is like you have the drummer goes like to like start a song right i feel like we're kind of getting that so i hear voices give me the voices give me all right welcome to the wage of cinema i'm jack i'm andrew and uh this movie we Hey, we watched The Mummy with Tom Cruise. Not with yeah. him in the theater. I mean, there was the film That would with be him nice if he was actually there. Like, at the end of the movie, or not even at the end of the movie, he could have been there. Um, like, actually, I'm going to turn off the lights because it's a little. That's almost creating too much energy in here. It would almost be like if we just kind of glanced over in the theater and he just gave us that, like. <laughs> that would have us... made, made the day. I think. And not only that, if he had on his sunglasses. For no reason, except to be that cool. Well, probably just to sleep during the film. <sighs> the point is, Tom Cruise wasn't in the theater with us. No. But if he had been, I, he it was... would have been a much more exciting film to watch. This movie sucked. It's not very good. <laughs> There's your review, guys. Good night. No. Uh, Alright, that, that's a little too strong a term, but it... Well, let's start from the beginning, shall we? Well, the beginning of time? Well, yes. in the beginning, God created the heaven and earths and everything else that there is. But, but no, no, after that, he... Film, the beginning of this film, you get something which is not... That shouldn't be too uh, out of the ordinary if you've seen uh, a few money, mummy movies. M mummy movies. I was trying to say, Have you I, seen any money movies lately? <laughs> man, I've, I've seen so many money movies. You have Here's no idea. Here's the thing that... It's, it's exposition time. All right, so here's the deal. Long ago, ancient Egyptian princess, she makes a deal with the gods of Egypt to become super powerful, but before she can pull through and seal the deal, she's stopped, she's mummified, she's buried. Thousands of years later, Tom Cruise is trying to steal artifacts in Iraq. We'll explain that later. But... Oh my god, we have to explain that, but because the movie makes sure to explain for us. There's a, there's an airstrike, it unearths this chasm where there's a mummy, yes. they take it, the curse ensues. Jack. Uh, well, I was about to say from that, uh... This movie has sucked away your life, like a mummy. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, no, look, I, I have to be honest, I went to this movie... And I, I even told you before it started, I wasn't expecting much. I wasn't expecting too much either. No, and I, I almost wondered why you were so hot to see it. I was hot to see this because I was such a fan of The Mummy in the 90s. Well, the, And the, I had seen all the other Mummy movies. Egypt was a big thing for me in my childhood. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah, and th this has nothing to do with Egypt, practically. <laughs> and No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even feed. There's no one scene. I no no. In the opening, there's I guess you could say. one scene that takes place in Egypt. Yeah. But I wanted. I there was. I knew there was going to be another mummy movie, and I'm like, I've seen all the others. Why not see this one? All right. That, I guess that's fair. And it, it's interesting. I know we're going to talk about the 1999 mummy on a future episode. We're going to talk about the 1959 mummy movie. And, and the 1932 gonna, mummy and the movie. the 1932 mummy so movie any in movie, a future episode. So any movie that's called The Mummy, we're going to talk about it by, before the end of this month is the over. The big ones. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the ones that are actually just called The Mummy. Because there are countless mummy movies. Which share some sort of kinship with the universal films yeah and, and we gotta get to that too but i think that for me i went into this um you know and I, I i'm not one of those people that looks down exactly on tom cruise i actually like tom cruise as a movie star and you're about actor. the same height i'm not yes he's about he's shorter than me oh so you do look down on him <laughs> you heard it liar 
In the physical sense, sure. No, I mean, uh, no, it, it, there are times where Tom Cruise is, in general, looked down upon. There, I'll phrase it that way. Metaphorically. The, 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 Some yeah. people don't think Tom the Cruise royal is so hot. Yeah. No, yeah, they, they, they look at him as just, all right, he's the guy who runs and has the big smile. He does and, his share of running in this movie. Oh, my God. Well, you expect that. Like, And, again, I, I've probably seen more Tom Cruise movies Tom than you Cruise have. Tom Cruise just but really loves his cardio. He, well, you know. This he, wasn't. This wasn't a job for him. This was uh, this was personal training. <laughs> Running through the forest, check. Running through tombs, check. Running through the city, check. check. Running from things, check. Um, but you know, he. But I, 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 res- I actually respect Running him the as a movie actor, as a person. That's something else. In this movie, though, I, I wondered why was he even here. It he feels didn't... like a vehicle for Tom. Cruise. Not, I don't know. It, it felt like he, he seemed like. It was in the first part of the movie. That's where he got to show more of his Tom Cruise-ness, I guess you could and say. And he had the best writing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, too. I feel like this movie was almost two different scripts, maybe? Or parts taken from multiple scripts, which is not unusual in Hollywood. Because I think that earlier, before Universal decided to do uh, what's called the Dark Universe... <laughs> Because now we have to have... It's not just about franchises. They've, they've rebranded that name. So it's Universe. So, you know, you have the Conjuring Universe. You have the Fast and Furious Universe. You have the, the Taco Bell Universe. You I know. can't wait until all of these universes cross over. Oh, the God. Conjuring and well, Fast and well, Furious. we got to drive away from the ghosts! Well, well, I mean, well that's... At, at some point, Ooh. you are going to have the Jurassic universe and the Fast and Furious universe collide, and you will have di- you'll have dinosaurs driving cars, hopefully out in space. Please, yes, yes. <laughs> Listen, Hollywood, you know this can happen. Listen, but, we're not getting quality films out of either of these franchises I, just by playing it straight. Yeah, but I think when I say that like Tom Cruise wasn't used well, I feel like he's an actor who can do better than this. True. That's that's a fair point. I and think. Tom Cruise is a good actor. He's yeah. possibly a great actor. Yeah, I, I think that he, he gets the, the a lot of flack because he's Tom Cruise and because of Scientology and also because he's kind of weird <laughs> and possibly because he's overexposed. There are lots of reasons not to like Tom Cruise. Yeah, but it doesn't diminish the fact that he is one of the most recognizable actors and a real asset on a, on a project. He can be a charismatic guy. He can also be dramatic and believable. Right. And th- I mean, there are times in this movie, I feel like he's trying. How would you describe him overall in this film? Um, like one or two words, uh, snarky and confused. Yeah. I <laughs> because he starts off like one of those cocky, snarky guys who like Tom Cruise's character, he and Jake Johnson, uh, they're they're like treasure hunters, and they're in uh, Mesopotamia, the cradle of civilization, as the movie has to tell us in the title card. Currently known as Iraq, it also tells us. I would have loved if they added on to that in the future, known as <laughs> Super <laughs> Sandland. <laughs> Because, it, like, also, that that reminded me of something that, like, CinemaSins does sometimes. When they'll be watching a movie and you'll see, like, Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, and, I thought and the you guy will be Las, Las Vegas, Russia. <laughs> yeah, like, Meso- <laughs> as opposed to Mesopotamia, New Jersey. <laughs> Mesop- that, been, that is such a weird thing. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Okay, where is this? It's set in Mesopotamia. It's like as if audiences know what Mesopotamia is. <laughs> they I probably heard Mesopotamia sake. once in like Ghostbusters. I know what Mesopotamia is, but it's yeah, not but like, you're also a oh, history I, person. But yeah, but that's a, but that's the thing. It's like oh, uh, I'm reading a book about Mesopotamia. People are like, oh yeah, that's great, that's great. All right, it's where Iraq is. Oh, there we go. Speaking of which, did the movie ever explain why? It's in Mesopotamia and not Egypt? Here's why the opening act is in Mesopotamia. Okay. Or, why am I, why am I still saying Mesopotamia? <laughs> Monomania. Here's, here's why the film starts in Iraq. Because you had to have a reason for Tom Cruise, a soldier, to find the mummy in the first place. 
Hmm. And why would a soldier of American extraction be in Egypt at a time like this? They could have found some other reason. Oh, sure. They could have tried much harder. <laughs> that's a, that's a key clearly, thing with the script. it was important to the script that Tom Cruise was a military man. Yeah. That there was some sort of conflict going on because it's from, because it's from current, it's from our current world. And so it's like, well, okay, why is it in Iraq? It's like, well, because when they buried the evil princess, they took her far away from Egypt. And that's really far away from Egypt. That's a thousand especially miles. Especially for the ancient world. Yeah, like, the ancient world. And it's like world. they hauled all this stuff, and they're like, okay, we're going to do it right here. <laughs> and I guess they got and no slaves. One had a, and, no one, <laughs> and no one had a problem with this. No, it's because like, Because it's yeah. the ancient world, and no one gives a damn. Go do this. Not that I really care. No, but it is a good, but it is a legitimate question, and it, it, I think it's there because they were trying to but work in like, the logic of you that. Can but see the contrivances being woven <laughs> oh, yeah. in front of you. Yeah, it's not that in. It's not that in principle, it's not okay to do that. It's just that it's so unlikely that you have to make several logical leaps. <laughs> yes. in order to justify it. Yeah, it's one there thing. There's a ton of logical leaps in there. Oh my god! There, well, the mummy, oh. the mummy as a concept, even going bar, as far back as 1932, right, has several contrivances. Oh yeah, built into it, and either and to a certain extent, you either accept those or you don't. It depend, and it also depends on how whoever's making the movie presents the contrivance. Sure, because I mean, you can buy into a contrivance. If it's done simply enough without enough with with not too much bullshit in it. Right. I mean the the early <laughs> for some because we have to have lots of action scenes in England. But anyway, back to all and stuff. It sure, could be I'll, fun. I'll play the part of the uh, scruffy looking nerf herder. Yeah, pretty much. I, uh, I up and months back they released a version of the trailer by accident. I guess you know they didn't intend to do this. Actually, if they did, that would be kind of it's awesome. It's like someone chose a file from earlier on in the work process by accident. Yeah, yeah. Somebody like what happened was they were working on the trailer for the Mummy, and all that's in the tra the trailer. Yeah, the, the picture looks fine. The sound there are no sound effects. It's just music oh, no, there and are dialogue. Sound effects. <laughs> But that's for you to discover. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, but but so there's this big plane crash. After that is where the movie especially gets stupid. And also boring. It goes for, it either alternates between being kind of laughably stupid yeah. or just boring stupid. Is that a good way to characterize this movie? I would say it, it becomes laughably dumb. There's a there's Enjoy especially it. one sequence where I think that if there weren't other people in the theater, I would have been howling with laughter. It's enjoyably dumb. There are parts that are enjoyably dumb. There are other and parts are that other are parts just where you, where you're just like, what are you talking about? Your eyes will hurt from the number of times that you will roll them in your head. Your brain will reel at how many times Tom Cruise should have died in some sort of traumatic impact. Yeah. Also, this movie just... This movie has, like, so many bad lines. Like, and I mean, you know, look, when you watch the 99 Mummy, as I recently did, too, that movie has some cheesy lines. That movie has almost what you could call, like, movie lines. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by that? Where you, you see characters who are saying lines that you can feel the writing on the page, but here, you really feel it. There was one part where... That so I forget. Oh, I need to look up the archaeologist woman uh, because again, Tom Cruise plays Nick, and um, there. But there's also you know the the female accomplice with them. Annabelle Wallace is the actress, and she uh, she plays Jenny. Right. There's a part where they're on the plane before this big plane accident happens, where she's talking about the because they have the sarcophagus with. Uh, is it Anna Cassette? How does he say her name? The mummy woman. Prince Ominate. Prince Ominate, sorry. Princess Ominate. Princess Ominate. And she's talking, she's reading the top of it, and at one point she just says, this means something. 
First of all, she first of all, you don't have a big enough plate of mashed potatoes to be carving out to while you say that. If she was carving <laughs> a shark sarcophagus out of mashed potatoes, that would have been stupid, but that would have been hilarious. I, I like, would have given this movie a full price if it did this that. This means something. Just think about that line in your head. Not only is it like you just found this thing, you don't know a goddamn thing about it. No. Second of all, you're an educated woman, and all you can think to say is, this means something? Yeah, what? That's like what a teenager says when they're, like, tr- pouring over books of the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there are other lines like that throughout this, whether it's her or whether it's uh, Russell Crowe, which we haven't even gotten to him yet. Oh. Oh, God. We have to get into that. I don't... Would you almost say that's a spoiler, though? In a way, it no, is. No, because... But, well, it isn't because... Oh, all right, we'll save it for spoilers, because not... I don't want to risk it. I, well, it's a spoiler in the sense that if you've only seen the trailer, you really aren't. You really don't know who Russell Crowe's in the movie, because the trailer shows him. But he basically, in the trailer, is just spouting cliche lines. He's just like, welcome to a world He's of gods suppo- and monsters. He's supposed to be more than you expect, but we'll get into that later. Oh boy, Willie. Uh, so a lot of this movie, of course, it like the 99 Mummy movie, I think they wanted to l- try again at, well, they did that. This time, instead of setting it in, in the 20s, let's bring it to present day. Let's still make it scary. Let's fill it with action, because again, we have Tom Cruise, so he'll run from things. Uh, CGI is better than it is in 99. That's one thing I, generally speaking, can give this movie over that one. But it's just that they, that this movie is just so full of cliche, but from top to bottom, and like scenes happen. You get the scene where you have the two guys, or I don't know if they're military guys or just workers of some kind, and they go into, would you say it's like a an underground tomb or something? And you have that scene where the one guy is is inspecting over. Uh, a, a corpse's uh you know tomb and he looks over and he, he sees like what is that and then he turns his head hey look at this and of course you know at that moment the creature go ah and then the other guy has to come in to inspect what happened and then he gets attacked and it's like you couldn't think of just one more clever or interesting way to do this scene why bother <laughs> Well, why bother? Because I'm paying to see this movie in a theater, and you're not really giving me my money's worth. Yeah, because all filmmakers have a responsibility to the audience member in the theater, Jack. (laughs) I don't know where to begin with that. Um, You know what bothers me about the very beginning of this film? Well, so what you're saying, like, when they're doing the exposition part and all that? Yeah. Okay. Three prologues. Starts out. Bunch of knights standing around a dead knight. Yeah. The tomb. Part two. Egyptian explanation of stuff. Yes. The flashback of why Princess Aminette is so evil. Yeah. Step three. Russell Crowe comes in and starts his own his own little prologue thing. Oh, because I thought Russell Crowe was kind of connected with the English, the, the, the Egyptian part. Yeah, but well, I guess two prologues. He was, he was yeah. narrating it, but he, it was like, why did we have to have all of the? Why did we have to set up? It's so such a clumsy setup. It's clumsy. It's and clunky. The, the, the night thing isn't even that that important. The one twist that if you've seen the other mummy movies, what they decide to do this time is in other mummy movies, it's uh, it's a guy who becomes a mummy. Because he has, do you remember his name? Imhotep. Imhotep, of course. Damn it. I should have remembered that name. In the 1959 I... one, it's Karis. Oh yeah, Karis. Right, good good call. Well, Imhotep is usually the one who, for the most part, is, is the one who becomes mummified because By the he, way. Tri- he, he, he becomes a murderous guy and they decide in the Egypt old times, we, ne- we can't keep this guy around, we gotta wrap him up, gotta cut out his tongue. This time they transfer that to the woman. And I guess that was their thought of, well, we're going to do a nice twist this time. 
the audience is really going to dig this. And it's meaningless. Eh, it's, know, she, it's, she's it's she's so basically there to be like sexy. She's she's so that, one step so that she can play off against Tom Cruise and have the yeah. whole sort of uh, you know alluring romance angle she had a bit of a although look. it would have been much more interesting if it was two men i'll, 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 ah! I'll tell you that she yeah well i was gonna say tom cruise doesn't have a connection with either of the women in this movie oh he, no he has a good connection with uh jake johnson yeah. i felt like they that's what like without saying too much jake johnson doesn't last too long in this movie but um, you know, he, he pops up here and there and we'll have to get into that as well in spoilers and that kind of bothered me for another reason, even though he was still kind of amusing with Tom Cruise in the few little moments he popped up <laughs> in intentional and unintentional ways. Um, but, um, but yeah, he doesn't have a connection with either of the actresses. And also that actress who plays, uh, um, uh, what, what, what am I blanking on there? Oh, Prince Aminette. Princess. Uh, yeah, her name, Princess Aminette. Her name is Sophia Butella. She does okay. I feel like if there had been better writing, she could have showcased herself a little bit more. Well, As she better was, writing helps everything. Jack. Yeah, it does. But I mean, but no one's ever said like, man, if this movie wasn't written so well, it would have really popped. <laughs> Fair point. Thank you. No, I mean to say that in the sense that I could see potential in her that wasn't realized. Yeah, I mean, she's well. I mean, well, right, right away, you know, she's good to look at. Yeah. So, right, and, you know, she seems, she's doesn't seem to be a bad actress. Yeah. Uh, she, if she, it was, she tries to act menacing, and you kind of believe her. Sure. She seems menacing. Yeah. So, I, I'm trying to find some things to pay compliment to this movie, because it's just uh, kind of a mess. Um, and then, you know, you have your climax that happens, and without saying too much about that... That has its own set of issues. Um, because apparently when you're a 5,000-year-old mummy princess, you have the power to just raise any corpse from the dead. Yeah, pretty much. Somehow that makes you like a, a level 20 necromancer or something. Yeah. It's... <laughs> they don't explain... Like, if you're not going to explain things, that's fine. But this is a movie where they pick and choose, where they over-explain some things. And then other things you just have to kind of take as a... Thing that Her powers are, are not defined. Yes, that's, that's a great way of putting it. Now, in the 1999 Mummy, well, I'm not going to spend too much time comparing. No. We have an entire episode. We about can't that. help but it it's though. Like, it's at in least the same somebody studio. said. At least somebody said earlier on, "This is the Mummy. This is what he can do." And then he does the things that they say he can do. Yes, it's set up. In this one, we're not sure what exactly her power is, or what it's, or what she's supposed to be capable of. She has a lot. And some things are kind of clever and interesting, but mostly it's like, well, I guess she can do this. Yeah. The one reason why I was a little nervous about going into this movie and why I was having trepidation, the director is this guy Alex Kurtzman, who he hasn't made he hasn't directed a lot of movies, but he's written quite a number of movies, and he uh, he's responsible along with his writing partner Robert Orchie for. Frankly, a lot of crap. Such That's, as? Oh, God. Where to begin with him? Um, I, I could roll off a couple of titles that would... What, was his, what, what film did he write most recently before this? Um, I'm looking back at, at some of his films. Um, well, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I didn't see, but I heard that was a mess. The second star trek movie star trek into darkness that was okay um not great actually writing, he wrote the first transformers movie all um, right well that's uh, that's pretty terrible the michael uh, bay movie the island well uh, also if uh her name his name is kind of burned into the mind of Corey because he and robert orchie apparently are responsible at least in large if not complete part for ruining xena season five wow <laughs> I know. So that, even though I'm not familiar with all this stuff, none of this is sounding good. The the point I'm making though is that he, when he and his right Robert Orchie write, it's a lot of their writing is trying to put lots of little set pieces together, and then doing trying to stitch them together in ways that might make some sense, but they don't. In a way, I feel like that's a little translate here. He's not credited as a writer, I think, on this film. Uh, but 
it it just is a movie that doesn't have a lot of new things really for me a lot of it feels very familiar it feels re- familiar it feels rehashed um i even though without having seen it i felt like i might have been getting some van helsing moments or something uh, i haven't seen van helsing but that i've seen like van a tone. helsing was this at all like van helsing no not really this oh is, okay this is it has some similarities to Van Helsing in terms of premise and mm-hmm. and tone. Yeah. But visually, they're very different films. And, you know, this one doesn't have Hugh Jackman, so <laughs> it's yeah. missing that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just like... I kind of have a soft spot for Van Helsing. I, okay. I recognize now it's probably not very good. But, you know, it it's was a movie fun that, when I saw it. It features a lot of monsters and... Again, you have that Stephen Summers sensibility where, okay, this is kind of cheesy, but there's some kind of presence there. Yeah. This didn't really feel like it had too much presence. This felt like, except for some of the early scenes, as I mentioned, where you could feel some Tom Cruise-iness presence. Because what happens is after that plane crash, Tom Cruise is mostly just kind of listening to people tell him things, or he... Is running. Is running. In in running in action, fighting characters, and doing lots of that. (laughs) What? (laughs) And it's. That's your plan? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean by feeling like his potential wasn't. You know, even in other movies, Tom Cruise has had misfires, but this felt like you could have had somebody else in that role. Would it have made it better? I don't know. Probably not, but maybe somebody who but it, wouldn't have felt wasted. What it, what it comes down to, I think, is in the first act, he's basically in control. Yes. He's he's acting. In the rest of the film, he's reacting to everything else. And he the thing is, what he's reacting he to la- is not very interesting. Right. He, he's more just kind of there, being like, what the hell? Russell Crowe? What? More also, mummies? his relationship to the archaeologist is that very too. poor. That's too. That's true. Yeah, she. Yeah, I did not believe that romance for a minute. I didn't even know if they were. Were they trying to even make it a romance? That felt half baked. They were trying to build some sort of relationship between them. It ne- and it's so poor that it. You know, you, you can be forgiven for not noticing any romance in there. Do you think it's because of her? No, or... it's because of the writing. Okay. Because a good romance, one. of one of the things about if you have two characters who look like they're going to fall in love with each other, one of the things that you can look for that really helps that bear that out is do they work well together? Yes. And in this one, they don't work together at all. No. Yeah. When one person is doing one thing that's good, someone else is usually against like Tom Cruise is always against her. She's always against Tom Cruise. They're doing stuff independently of each other. Yeah, and, and they, they don't connect in yeah. any meaningful way, even though they exist in a similar field. He steals artifacts; she's an archaeologist. They should have some expertise that at least crosses paths. And also, when and we it's first a missed opportunity that that never happens. When we first meet them in the movie, too, we're supposed to be led to believe that they had some type of brief fling together. They have varying opinions about how it went. You know, she's like, it was like fifteen seconds of. Blah, blah, blah. And Tom Cruise is like, what, 15 seconds? I, That's something I'm tired of, too. Yeah? In a lot of, in a lot of movies these It's days, a little... It's, like, it's trying to make it's like, shorthand. Where it's like, you know, two people, they have a romantic past, and then, like, they denigrate each other's performance in bed, and then the man is always like, okay, first of all, I was much better than that. And I was just like, come on. Yeah, you know, that, you know, that was also in, like... It just suddenly popped in my head just now, uh... Even something like The Lost World, Jurassic Park had that. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Jeff Goldblum and Julianne Moore, they were they were kind of forced into that kind of situation. It does nothing much to the story, unless if we're meant to really care about them. And I feel like the movie in the third act tries to almost force on us, we need to feel about these characters and their connection and how yeah, because pr- Princess Aminette is now going to tear them apart and mortally endanger them but i didn't feel that threat and that is to the detriment of the movie because they have no connection yeah why should she be upset about anything that happens to to nick in this film 
Why yeah. should Nick be upset about anything that happens to what's her name in this film? Yeah. The and other the other thing that the movie does too, which I don't know if you feel tired of this. I felt like it was a little bit tired in, in a way. Is uh, the the how the movie communicates that Nick is connected into this nether. I don't know if you call it like supernatural world or something. Is that well, after I think he we can talk a little bit about that because yeah, well, because early is, on Nick gets opens the tomb basically. Yeah, he basically fires a gun. All of a sudden, things are opening in this. You know, hold it. By the way, if you into. want your cursed mummy princess to stay buried, <laughs> you don't create a mechanism by which people can use it to raise her out of her pool of protective mercury. Yeah, you'd think that the people who put her into the tomb in the first into this tomb in the first place, it's supposed to be well underground, thousands of years. No, it's never been accessed. Now it's suddenly and it's it, got it gets all access. These, like, and it's got like all these anti afterlife things in place. But if you just get rid of one it, part, it raises the sarcophagus I, out of the ground. I, I and that apparently it. is terrible. I whispered it to you. It was like mousetrap. Yes. <laughs> it's like a stupid game of mousetrap. And all Nick has to do is just do one thing. He barely even has to ex exert himself. Yeah. And he gets this mummy out and that unleashes the curse and the curse uh, it's affecting him he starts to have these visions he looks like he's spacing out and just seeing princess ominate talk to him which is kind of how it felt to watch this movie <laughs> yeah spacing out just watching people talk to us yeah that's a good way of putting it that's why I think I saw you laughing a little bit more to yourself than I was. Yeah. Occasionally, if I was laughing, it was more of, like, in hysterical fits. You were laughing with your hands over your face. Yeah, I felt embarrassed watching parts of this movie. Trying to come to grips with the lines you had just heard. The lines of glory. And it was just... <laughs> and I can't blame you for laughing. Because there's so many laughable things. All right, I want to wrap up this first part because we got to get into some spoilers here right i would say i would not recommend this movie in the, to see in the theater this is a very 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 shaky start to the cinematic universe <laughs> oh it's and, it's and we got to make we should mention that so if you go see this movie though you'll see the universal logo pop up as it does then it goes into a second logo where it's another globe but it's now in eclipse and you see the words dark universe come yeah, out if you've seen the dark universe logo they throw that right in front of this film it's like you, they really you, are trying to sell this to us you you and you, you know haven't what? earned this yet no you haven't no like look back year let's go let's go in the time machine and go back into the 30s when universal made the, we gotta the, warn everybody about hitler look this didn't happen like overnight what well, universal thought all right let's uh let's adapt uh dracula let's see how that goes and uh and it became a hit then it's like all right let's adapt frankenstein it's like okay that's a hit too wolfman invisible man well wolfman, Creature came, the Black Lagoon. wolfman came later i'm talking about in the early 30s you had your first tier what the what mommy. marvel calls phase one yeah well actually but the funny thing is three movies were based on books you had dracula Frankenstein and the Invisible Man. Right. The Mummy, technically, was kind of a ripoff of Dracula. In a way. In a way. It, it, it had some of its own elements, even down to Carl Freund directing the movie, and he shot Dracula. And it's but, got, what's his name? Ah, oh, shoot, that guy who shows up in Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Mummy, who's like, he plays Van Helsing, and he plays Frankenstein's friend. He's the old guy. Really? He's in all those movies? Yeah. Oh. I, that's I, I, which kind of he essentially he's the nick fury of that universe in a way <laughs> but yeah like universal said Let, guy, let's but... let's make these sort of films and then you could kind of bundle them together into what was called the the universal the universal monster uh, yeah and that films. came later that came later and then they did their universal just found and... a really good business angle and they did it yeah whereas this they look and the thing is We've had other mummy movies. We had... They, they tried to do another Dracula already. They tried to do another Wolfman. Everybody's trying to do another Dracula. It's uh, like yeah. every five years someone does Well, it's Dracula. public domain. You can do whatever you want with it. Actually, no. I don't know if you can. Yes. I think... 
Well, okay. the, you you don't have to buy any rights to a novel. Yeah, but <laughs> but now though, it's it's the same problem that we talked about this when we did our Batman v Superman review, where they were building that DC was is trying to build their universe upon the 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 the, the foundation of Man of Steel, right. which is very questionable. Now, whether or not, not maybe that will work. It's, but questionable. Yeah. Now maybe it's looking like DC. At maybe they'll have their hits and they'll have their misses. They'll have a Wonder Woman. Maybe Aquaman will suck. Who knows? This they're starting out their universe and they're really shoving it in your face. I'm sorry, slam the table there, but I'm trying to emphasize the point that you can't you just make a mummy movie. And what's what's the artistic? I know it sounds like a I terrible question is, to ask. What's the artistic reason for this movie to exist? Well, <laughs> I know that sounds like a trick to, question. If we had to artistically justify every film we talked about on this podcast, <laughs> I think we would be we would want to quit our jobs. <laughs> but I don't even think that's the problem. It's like that really felt like a kind of. Not like jumping the gun. It feels cynical. In a way. Yeah. It, see, but it's, like, it's like, you're going to come to this and you're going to enjoy it. It's like, how about you focus on making a good movie first? Mm. Like Iron Man, that was that was a gamble to try to start a franchise on Iron Man. But they focused on making a good movie and then they could go ahead and make your Hulk and your Thor. But I mean, it's not like the Marvel Universe is, is bulletproof. We've got some no, stinkers in there. No, but but you have the foundation. If you have a if you have uh, a miss, after, it's not going to mess things up. Even after Iron Man, no one was saying, "Yep, this universe is taken off." Hmm. You know, they they had to. It was only by the time the Avengers came out that people were like, "Oh yeah, this is it. This is this is really working out." The the only and way this that... is now, you're saying right up front, this is going to be our universe, and you come out with something as mediocre as the Mummy. Yes. And how are you possibly going to build off of that? Who's excited even to see the? Well, I don't want to. I don't know if this is actually. A spoiler, I'm certainly but, not excited to see the Mummy too. Yeah, and look, you know they're going to try to make it. Whether or not it happens, you know, again, let's see the box office. That's the it, the gamble is so big that they're taking, and they just the hubris is what irks me. The fact that they think, well, we got universe here. You're gonna we're gonna do this. Not just a movie. Not just a sequel. A full universe. Now King Arthur is dead. <sighs> Long live King Arthur. Right. <laughs> All right. So but anyway, yeah. So don't go here, see us in the movie. Here's if, what. Here's what. Here's what this is going to be good for. When this comes out on DVD, watch it with a bunch of friends, and you can really enjoy the stupid parts of it. That it, it's a good friend movie night movie. Yeah. Yeah. And Aside then you'll from get to that, laugh as much as you want without having to sit in the theater and try to restrain yeah, yourself. Yeah, if don't don't go to see us by yourself. Don't don't buy it if you have to check it out. Wait maybe for Netflix and then, as we said, watch with your friends. Otherwise, it's just uh, uh, that's my review. Once All again, right. I know I make those sounds sometimes, so let's, but let's just, uh, let's move over into spoiler territory. All right. What the hell? Thank you for coming back to us. Uh, now let's get into spoilers. Russell Crowe. So he's so let's just get this out of the way. As when we talk about they're trying to create a universe. So it's one thing if you're just making a mummy movie, you're trying to set up the mythology of that, which again we went into why that is questionable on its own. Then they bring in Russell Crowe, who plays Doctor Jekyll. Yeah. Doctor Henry Jekyll. That's his name. Well, it has, as he says it in, when he introduces himself, I could almost feel the groan rising in my throat. I knew it was going to happen. 
Well, I knew he was Dr. Jekyll because I got spoiled about it. Right. Um, so, of course, um, you know, Dr. Jekyll, if anybody knows, uh, if you've been living under a rock, Dr. Jekyll is also Mr. Hyde. What? He... <laughs> Batman is Bruce Wayne? He was the best part of the movie. He was the most entertaining part at a certain point. I think he was, in terms of genuine entertainment. Russell Crowe was the best part of this movie. Well, all right. There's a point in the movie because, which... Even, you... in, even this, I thought there was a very interesting angle to him. Where Jekyll is talking to Nick. Yeah. When he first meets him. And he's talking about himself. And he's like, uh, I'm a, I was a scientist. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And I found out that... He, and, you know, I got this condition. And he basically says, like, evil is a pathogen. And he basically has it. So, and it's we and it's kind of cool because it's like I have a disease that makes me evil. Yeah. And that's like the simplest, most intriguing way to tackle that idea. It's not like I made this potion that would make me evil because it's like you're a scientist and you didn't think this would happen. But if you have it like I caught a disease that makes me evil, it's like all right, now we're working with something. What makes I me... found him conceptually very interesting. I think what makes me a little worried though is. And again, I know this isn't about the movie in of itself, but just knowing, though, that, all right, they gave us this little hint of, you know, I'm just evil, uh, evil incarnate, whatever it is. They're going to make an, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde movie. I don't think so. You don't I think, think so? I think that's why they put him in here. I don't know. You don't think they'd try to? No, I he's going to get kind of crammed in like uh, like Black Panther and, and, and Black Widow. They don't have origin <laughs> films. It's just like they're in the Black background. Black Panther's going to have an origin film? No, he's not going to have an origin yeah. film. You haven't seen the trailer for Black Panther? I saw that. I thought it was going to be more like something where it's like, all right, here's some more Black Panther stuff. It's a full Black Panther movie. I know it's a full Black Panther movie. I just don't know if it's about his origin or just more stuff that happens after Civil War. Oh. 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 So you mean... Oh, okay. So, so, so if I they do a Dr. Jekyll and so Mr. Hyde movie, like, it'll be after this. Because we already know the story of Dr. Jekyll. All right. Well, all right. we know the story of all it, this stuff, basically. Uh, but, I mean, is it necessary to do Dr. I, Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? I, no, because we know Jekyll's deal. I, think, I, I wouldn't put it past Universal to wring some money out of it and make another okay. Dr. Jekyll movie. Fair enough. But it seems like the least necessary thing to do at this point now. Yeah. Especially since we've basically just gotten his entire situation in this film. Yeah. Um, what intrigued me also was that he is very, very wealthy. <laughs> Apparently, to sure. have all the stuff that he has. No, so he's that... like the he's like the head of a, an entire organization. He's like he's yeah. like Nick Fury, except he has uh, has weird Hulk powers. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing too. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen the other Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde movies from you know back in the day because there are a couple of different ones. There was one with Spencer Tracy, and I think one with Frederick March. I need to see those at some point, but. Um, when he turns into Mr. Hyde, that was funny. Yeah, that, that was is fun. the. It's still bad, but I think that that's like the entertaining, fun, bad portion of the movie because uh, of how he looks and how he's throwing Tom Cruise all over the room. Tom Cruise is fine, by the way, throughout this movie. As I said, Tom Cruise gets thrown against so much stuff. What in this is he film. made of? And I know he's supposed to like have a curse where he doesn't die or whatever, but it's barely like he oh, could still like break his limbs or something. I guess there's a point also where I laughed the most, where Mr. Hyde like crunches his fingers into Tom Cruise's rib cage, takes his hand right under his rib cage. And it's like, oh, God, that's going to be awful. <laughs> but he's talking the whole time. And yeah. he's trying to convince us, like, look, we can do this whole evil thing. We just got to we gotta make this work. We can do it. <laughs> I thought that was, that was very funny. He's, he's bargaining while fighting. Yeah. And it's like Tom Cruise is no match for him at all. Yeah. And I, I felt and like Russell, Russell... He changes up his performance. He changes up his accent. He had fun. He was going more for the... Australian accent too is Mr. Hyde. I thought it was more of a sort of Cockney accent, maybe sort of lower class British accent. But you know, he you know he he, he sounds a lot more rough, a yes. lot more lower class. Yeah, and uh, but, and the way that he and yeah, he is a little bit like a Bruce Banner type because unlike Bruce Banner, he has like some type of thing he can inject himself with, so he doesn't go all out, Mr. Full Hyde. Um, 
there's also one moment too where he's explain like as Doctor Jekyll, he's explaining to Tom Cruise about, and this is right before he turns into Mister Hyde. There's a scene. There's this moment where he's trying to explain to him about evil and how he's gonna die because he's cursed. That also is just so ridiculous. That was a pretty ridiculous plan he was outlining. Yeah, right let's. Well, the we we gotta get into the sort of idea of what the mummy is all about and her evil plan. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> one more thing about Jekyll. Okay. I gotta remember what it was. Um. Well, did it involve? Uh, did it involve oh, the woman? Here's the thing. I got. Here was the thing. Apparently, when Dr. Jekyll turns evil, he turns into Mr. Hyde, apparently his fingerprints change. Because... Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) There's a moment... Okay, so in the way... Jekyll, he can put his hand against the door thing. It says, oh, it's Jekyll. Let open the door. But apparently when Mr. Hyde puts his hand against the thing, even though it's the same guy, computer's like, nope, you're Mr. Hyde. You're not getting out. It's like, what? First of all... This whole thing changes your... Your handprint that their physiology actually that nuts? you know what actually thinking about it there is some sense to that because you Maybe. have to think when Doctor Jekyll if he created that like that whole security system he had to think that God if I turn to Mister Hyde you know I want him getting in here and doing nefarious evil things I in mean, my big like Doctor Jekyll lab I mean I'm so, the head of a super secret organization I, and I can turn into Mr. Hyde I gotta figure out something for this a safeguard and that makes sense but I'm like what is the mechanism behind this yeah it made me pause and like wait a minute <laughs> I think we both laughed when that came up I th- <laughs> although it is kind of a nice I, in principle the whole idea is great yeah. I have no idea how it's supposed to work though. No. I, I, maybe I'm not supposed to figure that out. It's a small detail, but you know, but y- you sometimes have to look for that in these kind of movies and yeah. So do you think that Dr. Jekyll will pop up in other movies? Sure, that's the way they're setting up. He's the head of this evil hunting organization. So in a way a little bit like And in, Russell Crowe's Crow not doing anything. How better. Godzilla has that whole organization Monarch. Yeah, Monarch. Um, hmm. Okay. Well, I'm wondering, though, is if, like, so all these movies, I guess, are going to take place in the one, in this one, in present day. Yes. Yeah. Like the Marvel movies do. I guess so. I just, it, it's kind of sad to think that sometimes one of the things that was, char- like, I don't know if the word is charming, but one of the things that you watch those old monster movies for or other monster movies is because of their period setting. Yeah. All the mummy movies take place in the 1920s and thirties. Yeah. Even the, or, or even earlier, the fifties one, I think takes place at the turn of the century. No, no, I thought that took place in like 1900. No. Oh, all right. Well, anyway, wrong, um, wrong. Uh, in the climax of this movie, Wait, too, before we get to the climax, okay. There's one other thing I want to talk about, please. So, the whole premise of this, Princess Aminette. We out. We have the prologue, which gives us her backstory. Yes, she's the daughter of the Pharaoh, his only daughter. That means she's going to be his heir. And then Pharaoh's wife has a baby boy, so she's out of line. Yeah, so he's now going to be the head of the. So line. here's the thing. She makes a deal with Set, an evil god. Yes, to get the power, to secure her throne but nothing she does requires an evil bargain with a god like what does she do she kills her father just by creeping up on him in his sleep and slicing his throat she also kills the baby She kills the baby and it's like what sort of evil power did you need to do those two things yeah you just did that because you we're all like, I don't like this line of succession thing. I mean, but that makes sense. People do that in, throughout history all the time. Sure. They kill their fathers. They kill the heirs who are ahead of them. And... Say hi, Hamlet. Um, right. And then it's like, that's such a mundane crime. Yeah. <laughs> that it's like, why did you have to have superpowers to do that? Yeah. yeah that th- makes no sense. Yeah, they also try to do a big reveal, too, because they show... Part of the part of what she's doing in the in the in the beginning of the movie, 
where she it looks like she's about to kill one other guy and then she stopped. And why did she have to do that? Yeah, and then later Shine, on, but, basically, but, by the time she even it, superpowers or no, I mean, she why just does went she on a murderous to, rampage. That's yeah, it. she already murdered the two people. She has to murder. What does she have to do this stupid bargain with Set in order to put him into this body for? I don't know. And it doesn't. And it's not like it's even necessary because she didn't need superpowers to do what she did anyway. She was just greedy. It's just stupid. <laughs> well, yeah, of course it's stupid. Yeah, and then later on in the movie, she reveals what her true plan was to Tom Cruise. No, and, and but that is her plan. She's gonna kill him and then make him like so evil god. That it's, it's like, so generic too. And it's like, but then it's, it's like, like, look at it even further. Let's okay. forget about the plausible. Let's forget about the fact that you don't need superpowers. Let's forget about you don't need to do this deal. All right, let's dig you deep on the wager cinema. So powerful. You can turn all the windows in London into sand. Yeah. You can raise any corpse you want. You can suck the life out of the living people and turn them into your mummy servants. Yeah. Why do you possibly need to resurrect to... Why do you possibly need to put the evil god who gave you these powers into somebody else's body? How does that cement I your don't know. plan more than what you are doing right now see part of the problem is that they by changing the they changed the sex they got rid of imhotep which they had in the other movies so at least in like the 99 mummy and the 32 mummy movie and i, I have to go back to those as a basic comparison for this in those at least you had the kind of romance angle which again that's not new either but at least it gave a tiny bit more logic once you take that out, you just have a crazy woman who vying for power and all these evil things, I, and it doesn't make sense. We understood Imhotep in those other films. It's like, my lover is dead. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm now no, going to get revenge. There's no amount of regular activities or murder that's going to bring her back. You have to do something supernatural. Yeah. And, you know, that sets up his whole fall and his whole return from the dead, and that is ridiculous, but it makes sense. It's consistent. Yes. yes. This has no consistency and no sense to it. It's like if the you whole took... backstory for Princess Aminette is garbage. Yes, it's such garbage. And 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 because and again, that's the that's a part of the foundation that the rest of the movie has to rest upon. And so, if you rested on garbage. You're gonna get a whole lot of garbage coming from that. That that foundation's gonna settle, and you're gonna sink <laughs> into the ground. Yeah, the the foundation is like uh, gonna be like in the Secret of Nim when they have like their uh, house that the, the house near the end that is falling into the quicksand, and the mouse has to use her powers to get it up. Uh, yeah, that's a random I reference, know what you're but about. yeah, I just got that in my mind. Um, yeah, and then near the end, it's now that, I guess they wanted to try to bring a little bit of the romance back in a sense of, like, now Princess Aminette is gonna bring Tom Cruise into her plan, and that's Let's stupid, too! About, it is stupid. Do you know why? Well, here we, here, I want to hear your reason, Andrew. Here's why that's stupid, too. Among other things. She keeps calling him my chosen one. Why is he the chosen Why one? Why is he chosen? Yeah. There were three people in that tomb who could have done what he did. All he had to do was break the thing and the sarcophagus would have ri risen out. What choice is involved in that process? It's like, what? You chose Tom Cruise to do that? Well, why would you do that? Yeah. And they're supposed to be just like, oh, well, he's a thief with no morals. And it's like, well, anyone could have broken that thing. They were going to yeah. take her out of the pool anyway. Yeah. She didn't choose anything. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, it's really important that this guy be my chosen vessel for set. And it's, why? Why? Why can't you choose someone else? Why does it have to be this guy? Why is this guy important to you? He's not. No, he isn't. He's important because he's Tom Cruise. That's basically it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And again, that's like the kind of thing that when I was talking about... Um, you know, when I talked when I talked about some of those old other Kurtzman Ortsy scripts like Star Trek in the Darkness, that movie really bent itself into weird contorted positions to try to explain certain things that it was trying to do in its story when it was just nonsense. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of I feel like in this movie too. This movie's nonsense. It is. <laughs> I did appreciate two callbacks to the nineteen ninety nine mummy. Okay. 
The first one is the obvious one, where all that with that sand cloud with her face in it. Yeah, that was kind of obvious. But the other one happens during the fight with Doctor Jekyll. Okay. The archaeologist, what's her name? Uh, Jenny. Jenny. She's fighting that guard who doesn't want her to get into Jekyll's room because he's supposed to say quarantined. Yeah. Uh, she's yeah, like, they're, they're she, having a fight too. For no reason. Yeah, it's just because, and I heard but you then, laughing at that too. She hits him, and she drops the object on the ground. That's one of the books from the mummy. Oh, is it the book of Amun Ra, which oh, they used to I resurrect people? I didn't spot that because the action was kind of going by. Trust pretty me, when fast. you know the nineteen ninety nine mummy like I do. Well, I just saw it fast. too. <laughs> See, if they wanted to make a more direct reference, they should have had a cat. There we go, cats. But yeah, they could have had a cat, and then the mummy would have gone like, ah! and then like got out of a window. Oh man, if they had brought, if they had like kept her at bay with cats. Man, I can't wait till we talk about that movie. Yeah, that's gonna be good. Yeah, not so much. Not this movie. There are some fun things to talk about it, but the overriding sensation for me was just so much been there done that and not so much yeah to, to some other mummy movies but also just to other horror movies to other action movies like american werewolf in london oh we didn't get to that okay <laughs> thank you for reminding me okay take it so what happens is jake johnson he gets bitten by a spider when he's in that giant uh, hole in the ground and it makes him possessed i guess you could cursed. say cursed that's the word yeah he becomes cursed he starts trying to kill people on the plane tom cruise uh somehow kills him uh for now but then when tom cruise wakes up you've seen that moment in the trailer where he's in the body bag but then he sits up and does that ah, 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 tom cruise i was thing. hoping that would that sequence would go on for five minutes <laughs> tom cruise just struggling to get out of a transparent body bag see that would have been brilliant that would have shown like Tom Cruise is Buster Keaton like comedy and getting out of a suit. There's, there's not a lot of finesse to that. No, there isn't. But I could have just watched that scene go on for because, because for minutes. The, well, Tom Cruise has a certain way that he moves that like he he has like a nervous energy that's fun to watch because mm. he has that, like a you know uh, if you've ever seen like War of the Worlds he does some of that and uh, anyway so Jake Johnson keeps coming back to Tom Cruise as uh, a ghost. A and, steadily deteriorating ghost. And if you've ever seen an American werewolf in London... It, it's the same thing. It's the same goddamn thing. It, it feels so much like a obvious lift. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, it might just seem like, okay, this is a weird thing that's happening. But, you know, it, but it, it's a thing that keeps happening. And then, like, there's a point where I almost forgot he was doing that. Because he comes back to Tom Cruise when he first wakes up. Then he comes back to him a, f a couple scenes later when they're in a bar. And they have... That's that's a genuinely amu amusing scene. Yeah, that's amusing. I actually enjoyed that because they're looking at each other in this bathroom. They're, you know, they're, they're kind of arguing about how Tom Cruise shot him a few times and etc. And they have, they're the one genuinely good connection in the movie. Yeah. But then you forget that he's in the movie. And when Jake Johnson comes back... I just laughed in an unintentional way because he. Boy, that but, was intense, huh? Yeah, because this. <laughs> stupid, oh. stupid line, and not in a fun way. It, your stupid, no, no. your stupid lines. Stupid, stupid. stupid. <laughs> Thank you, playing nine. Um, but yeah, there's this big, typical summer movie type of action scene where Princess Aminette is conjuring up all of her powers because she's finally been released from all these chains and gotten rid of all this mercury that was being pumped into her body and she's doing this thing where all of now she's tearing apart like parts of london and you get that moment where tom cruise is running away from the action because that's what he does and then finally it seems like he's about to escape and then jake johnson just suddenly shows up and says wow that was intense see you guys you gotta go in there bye and that's the last we see of him no we see until him the, the very end we see him in the tunnel do we yeah i forgot about that I, this movie's already fading from my mind. Now, it's kind of a ripoff, but it does provide a bit of levity it's, for the film, so I'm just willing to give it a pass. It's funnier in American Werewolf from London, but it I guess you could have done worse homages. Well, both, it just feels odd. Both roles are there to fill in the audience. Mm. Because, you know, in American Werewolf, it's 
you know. Yeah, you're watching this guy who's been attacked. Shoot, and... what's that? What's that actor's name? I know. Well, him. Griffin Dunn is the Griffin guy Dunn. who. Yeah, yeah, he's really explaining the whole werewolf thing because you know the guy who's gotten bitten he doesn't know a thing about it, and you know no one else knows anything about it either. Yeah. And then they try to do the same thing, although it's a lot less necessary because really there's not much there. <laughs> See, that's why I feel like Jake but... Johnson was Jake Johnson was fun explaining things in that. I actually think I have to take just a very tiny bit of disagreement. Not a lot, but a tiny bit as far as Russell Crowe. Because Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll does so much explaining. Right. And I think that it, it kind of bogs down what is kind of... what It's interesting about what he's doing with him, which doesn't get to be fully seen until he's Mr. Hyde. Right. So I feel like there's potential there that Russell Crowe only half realized, if that makes sense. And then in the final scene of the film, they just gave him all the garbage lines. <laughs> Death is but a doorway. Lines like that. He's a monster now, but he's also a man. He, no, we don't know if he's evil or not. Oh, oh, the best line. It sometimes takes a monster to fight a monster. It sometimes takes a village to fight a village. <laughs> or what you said. It sometimes takes a shark to fight a shark. What? <laughs> and I don't understand oh, what he's God. saying. But try to replace monster with anything else. <laughs> like it takes it takes a podcaster to fight a podcaster. <laughs> I, and you begin to realize, yeah, that is the stupidest line since boy, that was intense, right? Yeah, and and the court and the the movie doesn't have a post credit scene. So in case you're wondering, actually we wouldn't know. We didn't stay. No, no, I'd heard that there is no post credit scene. Because a lot messed me up. No, I did not. I I am pretty sure I read that there's no post credit scene for okay. this one. We'll double check that. Um, but um, they sequel bait this so hard. They do so hard. Like at the end of that '99 Mummy movie, it's just the characters right off in the sunset. Beautiful. I and they still made two sequels out of it, but yeah, but that's that's well. They wrapped it up. Well, technically three. Technically, it, it, uh, two sequels and a spinoff. Yeah, I guess you could say. Um. But Pretty this, funny, considering how, how well Dwayne Johnson's doing right now. Yeah, that's a good start to a career. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know, we're not going to talk about we The Mummy Returns, we, but... We got to witness the beginning of Dwayne Johnson's movie career. I remember when that was coming out, I was actually really hyped because I was a big fan of wrestling back in high school, and uh, The Rock, like, he hadn't done a movie before. So suddenly, just seeing, like, a preview of him, it was like, you're just The Rock. You're you're doing your, you're doing like the thing that you do where you breathe in before you say your line, and I've even lost when you're all respect for you, <laughs> me? Yes. Why? Just because. Ah! I just uh, fake smacked Andrew. But anyway, I so, fake screamed in pain. So anyway, any final thoughts on the mummy? No. <laughs> I don't think so either. I think we've said it enough. We've said enough. And said more so. It is what it is. I think that considering the... It is what it is, and what it is, is bad. What it is, is pretty damn bad. Like, I would almost say this is as bad as the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Ha! <laughs> Which I thought was pretty stupid. This is stupid in other ways. This feels stupid in a you more what, cold way. You know what's technically possible? What? That all the Mummy films and this one take place in the same universe. Wait, so you mean that this takes place in the same universe as the other Mummy movies? Yes. We so, saw oh. that book. Well, I saw it. Well, you know what, though? I wouldn't be surprised if in the next film where people were talking about, <laughs> yes, I remember when they fought the Mummy Imhotep back you know, in the 1930s. You know it would like, be really... I just thought of a bad idea, but that's something that maybe they could do. Like, you know, in uh, Prometheus, they had, like, the old uh, Guy Pierce as Wayland. We don't talk about Prometheus. No, no, we don't, but I'm only using it as a base comparison. What if they have, like, old Brendan Fraser pop up? I would see <laughs> the next film if old Brendan Fraser popped up. <laughs> if they put on, like, so much makeup and he's, like, supposed to be 100 years old still as Rick. I would <laughs> consider my ticket bought. <laughs> Um, yeah, considering all the, but I was about to say, considering what other movies you could be seeing this summer, like Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Wonder Woman, uh... Considering that there's know. a library of DVDs that exist somewhere in the world? Yes, that you could watch a DVD of something fun, just don't pay to go see this movie, don't reward Universal for their blatant 
trying to. I, I feel cheated paying five dollars to see this, and that's five dollars. Oh, you got to record. I paid to see episode. this movie. I paid. This to is see this. this is your payment for seeing the mummy. It's this episode. All right. Well, quit, this is my quit, reward. Quit, quit your complaining. All ahead. right. All right. If you've seen the mummy, and oh, I'd like to say one more thing, um, because we like to sometimes read. Uh, uh, our comments from our listeners Ooh. and we had one because i have started out with that but okay oh no 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 I, I just remembered it because i posted on our wages of cinema facebook page and by the way you should visit us at the wages of cinema podcast on facebook uh if you ever want to see things like this uh, a few days back i posted the video for that trailer that i mentioned that i showed you and the one with no sound effects right yes and i i i asked a, i asked a question uh, in the post, I said, "Who's excited for Alex Kurtzman's The Mummy this weekend?" And our listener, who uh, we've talked about uh, a couple times, Pedro Sebastian Pizarro Rojas. Hey, said, Pedro! Good yeah, to hi, see you again. hi, Pedro. He he responded with, "Nobody." <laughs> <laughs> Technically correct. <laughs> yeah, this didn't do too well at the box office either. So oh, remember boy. to visit us at wagescinema at gmail for any questions and Twitter slash wages of cinema so when we come back next time we'll have more podcasting for you we'll return with uh, another what the devil is that and we're going to talk about three other movies called the mummy in the past century they're all good yeah more or less um so with that said i'm jack i'm andrew and remember the wages of cinema is a curse on our lives and, and remember, our livestock and the gods and monsters Dominant was reborn.